something that I that I hear a lot, re, uh, like right now, is um, people using their own voice in their samples, which is something that I encourage everybody to do because yeah. if you're trying to make your samples unique, you might as well just use your voice, which is there's nothing more unique to you than your voice. Nobody has your voice. Everybody has the right. plugins that you have. Everybody has the VSTs and the, the instruments and the contact library. You can get that everywhere. Your voice is kind of unique to you. So using that is going to be... Um, is going to add more uniqueness to your samples. But the problem that I hear is that everybody processes their voice in the same way so that yeah. it ends up sounding the same. Yo, what's good, people? It's Jay Cactus, and we're back again with episode 27 of Cactus Convos now. In today's episode, I've got literally one of the best sample makers I've ever come across. He's a Latin Grammy Award winner, has some major placements with people like Joyner Lucas, H, Hedy One, just to name a few, and he's the owner of Minter Foundry. He goes by Al Hug. Al, how are you doing, man? What's up? How's it going? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Just, um, you know, just hit my 100k on YouTube, so I need wow, to celebrate at congrats. some point. I haven't had a chance to do that yet, so congrats that's been the main focus that. recently. That's Thank huge. You, That's huge, man. I mean, not not as big as a, a Latin Grammy. <laughs> I mean, that's well, crazy. So, congratulations on that. Oh, thank you, thank you so much. I mean, I mean, I, I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not really a uh, huge fan of like comparing successes, you know, because it like course, there yeah. there's so many things you can you can achieve in this music thing and and, and in life in general, you know. Um, but yeah. definitely, I'm 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 super happy about that uh, Latin Grammy win that we had last year. Of course, yeah. I saw you when you when you posted that you were uh, announced, like you were nominated for it. Um, so I was keeping a close eye. So it was crazy to see. Was that something yeah, that you were like manifesting over the years, or would you say it was quite a surprise? I mean, it's always a bit of a surprise, isn't it? But was that one of your goals? Well, well, it, when it happens, of course, it's it's kind of surprise. Yeah. But at the same time, it kind of feels. Uh, it kind of feels logic, you know, it's the kind of the l logical thing to happen basically. Right. So at the same time, it, it kind of feels familiar, but I'm, I'm not really the person to kind of, you know, write down my goals and be like, I want to achieve this by the end of the year. Yeah. And I want to achieve this because I, I just don't really, I've never worked that way. So I'm not going to start doing that because I've been doing yeah. fine, not doing that. I mean, if that course, works yeah. for, for some, somebody that that's great, do it, do whatever works for you, you know? Um, yeah. so it's not really a bucket list thing where I'm like, yeah, Grammy nomination, Grammy, Latin Grammy win. And, you know, now we're nominated with the same track for, for the American Grammys too. But nice. at the same time, of course, I think, I think when I realized that, um, this music thing, um, when I decided that I want to, you know, be serious about it. Then of course, like uh, plaques and Grammys and, and billboards and all that kind of stuff it is becomes part of um, stuff you want to achieve, you know. But for right. me, it has never been about that. Um, uh, solely about that, it, it always has has been a thing where I'm like, sure, when it happens, that that that's amazing, and I'm kind of happy that it happened now, so I can kind of yeah. just you know keep keep going and and do my thing, you know. Definitely. Yeah, I think the thing with setting goals is, like you said, it might be good for some people. I think it's always good to have 
I think in your head, you always have some idea of what your goals are, right? Like there's obviously certain mm. things that you want to achieve. But I think maybe sometimes the problem with writing everything down might be it, you can get discouraged if you don't get it, you know, like you might have like mm. yearly goals. And then if you don't hit them, then it's like you kind of beat yourself up over it. When mm. I found that you might have one goal at the beginning of the year, but then the more people you meet, the more networking you do, the more opportunities that come up, you might just end up taking like a completely different path to what you envisioned at the start, you know? So it's yeah. like your, your goals might just change constantly as well. So yeah, I, I guess it doesn't work for everyone. Yeah, hundred percent. For me, the, I, I love I love the I love to focus on the things that I can control. You know, for example, for yeah. this year, I have goals, but it's all uh, stuff that things that I can control uh, and can achieve by just putting in uh, the right amount of work and focusing the work on on a specific part of of the things I'm doing. For example. Right. I'm doing like this this kind of challenge where I'm I'm doing one video like those Instagram videos where you see me like play yeah. the instruments and stuff, um, one per week, um, which is, which is very challenging for me because I uh, usually I just sit down make music and then I send out the packs you know and right. with video there's more you need to put a bit more thought into it because it's you're yeah. documenting at the same time you're creating, so. Um, it's, it's a challenge for me, but I know I can achieve it if I put the work at the, in the right place, you know, but with, if, okay. if my goal was to get a billboard number one hit this year, like how would I even go about achieving that? Like for real, like yeah. ex except just making the samples and sending them out, there's not really anything you right. can do. You know, you, you, you're not in control of what song is going to resonate the most with most people in, in, in the U S yeah. for example, you are not in control of that. So, yeah, I mean, if, if, if that, if that works for you, that that's amazing for me, I found that focusing on the stuff that I can control is just a lot more rewarding and there's less, less frustration, uh, in that type of way of doing it. And I'm all for, um, I'm always trying to be as like, uh, to have the frustration on like as low on a low level as, as possible because I get right. frustrated very very easily and um, not not so much nowadays but I used to get frustrated very easily and I also see it with with a lot of people um, doing music so whatever you can do to control frustration try try to do it because it's 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 your overall happiness just gonna boom go up. Like frustration 100%. is the thing preventing you from being happy, basically. So just try to get rid of that. And then happiness basically just kind of uh, is there, you know. Definitely. Would you say your frustration was coming from impatience or was it something else? Um, I I think so, yes. Um, maybe not only, but um, frust uh, impatience was, was definitely one thing. Then... Mm. Uh, the other thing was, and this was basically before I even got into sample making, was I kind of felt boxed in uh, where I was making the music. You know, Switzerland is very, very small. There's just, a, yeah. there's not really an industry there. Um, and I was pretty well connected um, in my hometown in Zurich and uh, right. with, with the overall Swiss music industry. But still, I kind of felt like there was a... You know, just like you're you're inside a box. So getting out of that and, and kind of um, being able to work for all these these opportunities, uh, like globally, 
has definitely helped me to be less frustrated. Yeah, that makes sense. So what yeah. kind of, um, do you have any processes that you, that you kind of go through each day to, I don't know, in some ways like avoid frustration, like some people might meditate, some people might train, some people practice mindfulness. Do you have any, is that part of your routine, anything like that? Um, yes, I kind of switch it up all the time because I get very bored very fast. Yeah. So if I, if I had to like meditate every morning for, uh, 32 and a half minutes, uh, on like days, I, I, I'd be like very into it in the beginning, yeah. like super into it, be like, wow, this is going to change my life. And then after like seven days, it's already, this is kind of boring. A chore then, right? Exactly. And then, and yeah. then I kind of just switch it up all the time. So I just try to, you know, be uh, aware of what, uh, what kind of, uh, creates frustration and then just try to get rid of that. Um, for example, lately it's been, um, being distracted in the morning by, for example, mm. you know, family. Um, I, I mean, I, I work at home and I have my family yeah. here, so, you know, there can be a lot of like distraction in the morning. So I kind of figured that out and just, I just get up earlier, you know, before everybody else. Right. So I just get up like at five and be like, okay, let's, <laughs> let's get like no a few things done. Yeah, yeah. So nobody's up at five. I get a few things done. And then at like. 7.30, already uh, uh, worked on some music, business, whatever. And yeah. so even if then I get distracted, I already um, was able to work on some stuff. So frustration is is less likely to you know, come up, you know. That makes sense. So so what does, a, what does a normal day look like for you then? I guess it is, I'm guessing it's a little bit different each day because you don't want like it a is. set routine, but... What does a, an average day look like? Um, so the average day probably <laughs> would just be like, get up and make some music first. Uh, yeah. make, maybe have a coffee and just like listen to some music. Listen to the music I made the day before. Um, I, I love doing that because um, you kind of to look at your work and enjoy your work from the day before or even like two days uh, before. It's just very yeah. fulfilling because it's it's the same thing as I the thing that I mentioned before. It's like you feel like you've already achieved something and now you can uh, continue on that path. You know, instead of starting yeah. from zero all the time, it can be exhausting. Also, you know, if you if every day is just like boom zero, like what, what should I do? Uh, yeah, that can be exhausting. But I I tend to finish all my projects, so I usually don't have to work on any uh, anything that I worked on the day before. Except for like oh, if yeah. I'm working on a, on a bigger pack or something. But if I'm working on a sample, I usually try to finish it within one session. Yeah. And then export it, put it in a folder. And then day after, I can just listen to the, the, the things that I created. Um, yeah, sometimes with that as well, like listening to something back the next day, sometimes you might even pick out a fold that you might have made the day before. It could be something in the mix or just something that doesn't yeah. sound quite right because... You know, for most people, when you're in the moment on one day and you spend like a few hours on a piece of music, for example, you, yeah. um, I don't know the right word for it, but you, you kind of like, you, you don't recognize certain things because you've heard it so many times. It's like your ears stop working or, you yeah. know, it, it's just like when you come back to it, like with a fresh mind, you end up just hearing things that you might not have heard before because you've just heard it so many times, right? It's like your ears just start failing at some point. You get ear fatigue, yeah. basically. Definitely. I think 
you that this is definitely something that I that I noticed and and I over over the years I kind of figured out a way of of resetting my ears even like within a session you know if you're working on mm. something just take a break like really leave the studio um yeah. maybe just like look out the window or whatever or have a coffee or tea or water or whatever and then come back and and try to go into a mental state where you erase every everything you already know like really be like okay what 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 did we do here you know what what right. where am i with this and kind of try to to reset your ears of course i mean the ear is a muscle so it it will get fatigued over time and that you can't reset you just need to go to sleep and and continue the next day there's no there's no way of uh except for drinking a lot of water which helps with ear fatigue yeah. too um, but yeah, apart definitely. from that, I mean, if you if you do like ten hour session and just like boom, like eight oh eights all the time in your ears, I mean, you're gonna be pretty tired after that. Not being able yeah, to, you, you you're not gonna be able to hear um, a lot of detail in your music after that. I actually worked with a mixing engineer a couple of years back on a on a electro pop record, and he mixed a, the a record that I produced, and that guy was so um, aware of his um the the preciseness of his ear at a certain moment where he right. would uh work on a mix and then be like need a break and then he would just take a break immediately before his ears would get fatigued point. yes and he to the point where i mean we would have maybe like lunch over over lunch break he would he would be i'm i'm not having i'm not even having gonna have a glass of wine for lunch because then my ears are just gonna suffer from it mm. like really be very aware of how precisely he can hear stuff and be like you yeah. know I, this is my job i need to do this for i need to be able to uh work my best uh at, my, at the you know the the best i need to put out the best quality work for like eight hours a day focused work right I need to be in best possible shape for this. So, and he had like all of this, like these routines to be in that space, which I found I guess very that interesting comes from, because from we're, my... we're usually, we're just like, get in here and just be like, boom, 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 yeah. and just work, 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 <laughs> and don't really care about that. No, hundred percent. I was going to say, I, like, I imagine that's come from like years of practice to be able to know that point where your ears are fatiguing and when you need to know a break, when you need to have a break, but at the same time, I think like a lot of producers are just notorious for just locking themselves in a room, shutting the blinds like yeah. these. And then just yeah. like you said, just having the 808s thumping in your head for, for hours on end. A lot of people don't actually think about the repercussions of not looking after themselves in like a, a health aspect, you know, like maybe they don't drink enough water. Maybe the diet's not on point. Maybe they're not seeing enough sunlight, getting enough fresh air, like just little things that can yeah. make such a huge difference. I found even just like, just stepping outside for a bit, you know, if I'm feeling like I have a bit of beat block or I'm not fully feeling motivated, I'll just go outside, have a little walk, take my dog out or something, and then just come back with mm. a clear head. And even just that 20 minute break just helps so much. Yeah. I, uh, for, for me personally, I found that I'm actually pretty bad at that, like realizing I need to take a break now. Um, yeah. But what I can do is, is prepare everything so that I don't get to the point where I need to take a break, for example. So make right. sure I have the water like right there yeah. um, before I start the session. Um, so I don't have to get up to get water if I don't want to, you know, 
or right. l- like now I'm, I'm working in a new space. I've been working in this space for six months now. Before that, I was in a, a like a underground studio, had no light yeah. and never went out. Like I, I, I did like 12 hour sessions in there, didn't leave the room once. Um, because yes. that was just the way that I felt like I can be the most like uh, in the moment present and making right. the most interesting music. But it was it was very bad for my like health. But you know, with health also, I I, f- I feel like people underestimate how how quickly you can change stuff and how much time yeah. you have to just you know ch- ch- change things and and be healthier. So I don't think people should be. Um, should be worried too much about like having an excessive lifestyle at a certain right. point in their life. You know, we, we kind of feel a lot of people already feel bad about um, not drinking enough water, you know, there's, yeah. there's like two bad things at the same time. So I think, you know, uh, just try to listen to your body as much as possible, but also don't be like kind of too, if you're too aware of it, that can also be a problem. So, just like make make the the just the your workspace ideal for for your workflow and then just you know go yeah 100% i think you're right i think people put a lot of pressure on other people as well you know with social yeah. media posts a lot of people trying to tell people that they, they shouldn't ever have a drink you know like <laughs> yeah. you'll see those like health posts that are um yeah so i don't know it kind of makes people feel bad for just actually living the life right when some people like to yeah. enjoy a drink or everyone has a different lifestyle. It doesn't mean that you yeah. can't enjoy yourself, but like you said, it's just being aware of what's going on in your body. If you feel like, I don't know, you, you're a lot more tired than usual or just little signals like that. Maybe you need to change something or just yeah. take a small step to, you know, just to, to help yourself out. Definitely. 100%. So, um, just moving back to actually like making samples. I mean, when I hear your samples compared to like, like, I get a lot of emails from producers and loop makers who will, who will send me, you know, samples to use in beats and a lot of the stuff that I hear, it's like good quality stuff, but I feel like when I hear your stuff, it's just, it feels different. It's hard to explain, but you know, with a lot of people, I might recognize the VSTs that they've used, or I can tell that it's been programmed, but with your stuff, it just feels very natural and feels like almost unorthodox, like you're not afraid to break the rules. So kind of talk to me about your process when you're actually making a sample, like starting with mm-hmm. what's going on in your head, what's your mindset when you're approaching a sample and then, you know, just talk me through the journey. Yeah. Well, I think what is very different um, from how I work to other how other people work is not necessarily the real instruments that I use because I I know people who don't use any real instruments and make incredible mm. stuff. So I don't think that is like the 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 main thing. But when I sit down to make samples, I don't actually think about making samples. You know. Um, I have a past in music, like before I started making sample, I made, I made more music that is not samples in my life than I made samples. And I made a lot of samples the last three and a half years. And still it's not, it's not the majority of all the music that I've created. And for a lot of people who start now in music, making samples and making beats maybe is their first musical experience. You know, it's like. They discover yeah. music through that genre, which is sample making. 
So yeah. already they're starting from a different, uh, from a, di it's a different start point. And I'm not, I'm not judging. I'm not saying one is better or one is different. I'm just saying I come from somewhere else. So the way right. I think about music already is different. So, um, I don't necessarily start with a click, for example. I'm not like, yeah. This is not how my projects start usually because this is this is never how I make music before making samples. So right. either it could be just hit record in the DAW, uh, disable the click, no click, just sit down on the instrument, play some stuff, record some stuff, and then listen back, maybe chop some things and be like, okay, this chord is cool, let me put it here, and then maybe add like a second track because there's a, a cool overlapping chord that could be cool. Or maybe there's at some point I played a top line melody that could, could put over there. So it's a lot yeah. of editing and slicing afterwards and then figuring out a tempo afterwards, be like, okay, what is the, what is the pulse of what I, what I played? Can I find some, you know, uh, some grade in this, um, by doing it that way, I come up with, different BPMs than everybody else. I come up with different flows. I come up with different uh, micro timing within the bar, for example. Mm. I happen to maybe play in um, like in thirds, uh, not, not in thirds, I mean in um, in uh, triplets, you know, instead of right. instead of sixteenth uh, notes, maybe, you know, and that could be something, a decision that is could be influenced by a click in the first place. So I try to just yeah. start from zero, either that or I like to uh, make samples based on drum loops, but like acoustic drum breaks, you know, um, just like Got polyphonic you. music library, AJ Hall, that kind of stuff. Um, because their composition or their, their loops, their drums, um, they're not like quantized on the grid. So I never really have to use the click ever because I start from this drum loop and for example the back beat on the second um, the second beat is maybe delayed a little bit so I just play on that and kind of try to feed off the energy that is, that is in the in the drum loop and you know yeah so I think this is in the in the in the first um, part of making samples in my process I think um, just starting from either nothing or from a drum loop already puts me in a different starting position than, than anybody else. I think. I think that's a good point because even just from personal experience, because I mainly make drills. So my automatic thing, like I, when I open FL, it's already set to 140. So hmm. whenever I hit record, yeah. I'm like, it's always around 140. If I go yeah. back through my projects, I'd say like 95% are around like 140. And then mm. somewhere around like 90, it's either like 90 or 140. But I think that could be good practice because like you said, you're not locking yourself in there and you're not putting yourself in a box, are you? You're just creating and you don't have yeah. something that's kind of directing you to a certain style or genre, right? Yeah. You're just kind of going with what feels right at that time. I'm actually uh, very bad with BPMs. Like the numbers you just said, I had no idea that like 140 <laughs> was drill and that yeah. night, you know, I, I just never think of BPM in that way. I've never DJed. So I've never yeah. had to tempo match stuff or whatever. I never, um, for me, like the BPM is the thing that I read in my DAW before I put it in the file name. 
It's literally just right. what is the BPM? Oh, it's like 82. Boom, boom. I put it in there. So when I'm in yeah. a session with with a producer and I play something and they're like, "Well, what BPM is like? What is that? Like 90?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I have to check the file. <laughs> you know, it doesn't that for for me. I don't. I don't. You know, every BPM is 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 the same for me i don't well maybe 25 is maybe a bit sl- i know that 25 <laughs> is is very slow <laughs> but yeah. uh, and I, I know that 160 is very fast but let's say between like 60 and uh, 65 and 140 is just you know and then also it doubles at some point so even right. like 60 to 120 is the same thing so same I, thing. I don't i don't get thinking in bpms it's just it's nothing it never has been a thing that i that i've done actually yeah that's interesting because not a lot of people work like that but i guess that's what's that's just another thing that separates you maybe so yeah what kind of cuz i'm sure you've you've heard or you have a lot of producers sending you their samples to review especially with doing your course as well um or like the one on one sessions should, should i say yeah. What are some of the um, like common, maybe not like um, even mistakes or just things that you notice from producers, which you've kind of gone back to to give them feedback on and say, you know, maybe you should try this. Are there some common things that you always find? Mm. Well, something that I that I hear a lot re- uh, like right now is um, people using their own voice in their samples, which is something that I encourage everybody to do because if you're trying to make your samples unique, you might as well just use your voice, which is there's nothing more unique to you than your voice. Nobody has your voice. Everybody has the plugins that you have. Everybody has the VSTs and the the instruments and the contact library. You can get that everywhere. Your voice is kind of unique to you. So using that is going to be... Um, is going to add more uniqueness to your samples. But the problem that I hear is that everybody processes their voice in the same way so that it ends up sounding the same. So when I listen to a sample with like vocals in there, uh, I can immediately hear that it's not vocal chops because vocal chops are usually like from packs because those are usually a lot more complex and wild and like, runs and fills and just like wow from from crazy singers so um it's more like simpler stuff it's a lot of like ooh ah like a lot of vowels and then the processing is just very filtered very reverby very form and shifted pitch shifted that kind of stuff and and so what i tell everybody is like this is good this is this is step one just after using vocal chops this is the next step so let's say vocal chops is using vocal chops step one using your own voice and make it sound like that very famous underwatery vocal sound that some people have invented and have perfected. And I love it when I hear it in, in the music. But what I'm saying that step two should only be, be like a, a, a step on the way to finding your own sound, using your own voice in your samples. Yeah. Because um, so then the third step would be, okay, how can I, process less but still make it sound interesting because the reason why everybody processes the same way or um does the amount of processing on the on their voice is either they're insecure with how their voice sounds they they don't practice it so it doesn't sound good when they just you know use it so the processing kind of covers up everything um and they also try to copy a style that that exists, a style that works, a style that will 
potentially get you placements. But the problem yeah. with everything that will potentially get you placements is like everybody does that, and then the the the, the chances of you getting a placement in that style then decreases again. So it's up down, you know. Um, right. So see it as a step on the path to like the the end goal will be uh creating songs and then sampling from those songs that will be like the end goal and not everybody should try to go there you know we're not uh, not all of us are singers i'm not i don't think i'll ever go there but i can try to go as close to that as possible for example resky he will definitely put and i think he already has like he, he puts out his music which yeah. is not intended to be uh, consumed as a sample you can't sample it and then use it in records but he is a singer that produces his music so that is the end goal and you should try to go as close to that as possible i think that's a gem yeah because i suppose if you're making a beat and you're like i want to use my vocal for this beat your instant thought m might be to use a vowel or just some you know just some mm, some has or whatever it might yeah. be but if you're actually in the mindset of, right, I'm just going to make music and try to record something, even if it sounds rubbish and I don't end up releasing it or whatever. But then it's like a completely different approach, isn't it? And then you might find parts of that track. Let's say you just recorded like 30 seconds of, you might just be freestyling or singing or whatever. You might just find something in that that you could actually chop up, reverse, like do whatever to that you wouldn't have thought of if you were just thinking about, okay, I'm going to make a beat and then add a couple of my vocals in. Yeah. So that, that that's an interesting point. What about people that, because I, I think a lot of people wouldn't do that because they think I can't sing, yeah, I don't have the right voice for it. I know you have auto-tune, but I mean, can, do you think you can still get something that, that sounds pretty good, even if you just cannot sing at all, you know? Well, I think I think most most people can't sing when they start, you know, it's not it's not yeah. just because I mean we see on social media all the time people who are incredible singers and they're not even famous or you're like well, how right. is that possible, you know? But you know you don't know how those people like how what they did when they were like 5 years old. Maybe they were like yeah. singing all the time. You don't just don't know. Maybe they put in more practice than Rihanna. You you have no idea, you know. Um, yeah. But just, I feel like um, trying to, like, discovering your voice and can you, there's many ways of doing that. Like, for example, you could just start singing to your favorite records, you know, when you listen to them, just, you know, look up mm. the lyrics and be like, okay, how, how does this work? And just like sing, sing to it, you know, then you're, you're training your, your voice. Um, right there's there's many things you can you can do take singing lessons you can just do singing warm-up exercises go on spotify there's like singing warm-up exercises just sing to it you know um yeah use use your voice i mean i mean imagine how how, how why would we ex like let's say somebody wants to make beats and they sit in front of fl for the first time and they're like they're like i can't do this and you're like yeah of course you can't you have you haven't even tried it you know you haven't you haven't put in the work yet you need to watch the tutorials right. on on youtube you need to ask your friends to help you. you need to call your brother who already knows how to use fl you know you need to get into it you need to le learn it same goes with everything guitar piano voice bass mixing sound design yeah. uh, mastering marketing social media whatever it is you need to try it out learn it and then and then you'll get better at it yeah definitely
I think when I when I took a few um, piano lessons, one of the steps was to do like a bit of vocal training, and um, it was one of the most uncomfortable things I've done. Sat with a, <laughs> a teacher and singing, even though it was yeah. just like me and one other person, it was uncomfortable. But once you actually learn a, a little bit, that helps with your production as well. Because let's say you're new to to making beats and I don't know, you might not be able to find the root note of chords. It helps with things like that because obviously you, once you like train your vocals to a certain point, you can kind of not know like exactly what note it is, but you might be able to like hum something, for example, or you might have a melody in your head and then it makes it easier to find it on the keyboard or find it in the notes in your MIDI. And then it makes it easier to find the bass notes of certain things. So mm. it was definitely so help helpful, even though it was really uncomfortable yeah. to do and quite yeah. embarrassing. <laughs> I actually have terrible pitch, like terrible pitch. I really? for me to get like a a note clean and at like the right pitch, um, yeah. depending on the range, it takes me like multiple takes. But I I know what I want, so I'm just gonna try until I get it. You know, um, yeah. I sing it, it doesn't sound right. I delete. I do it again. I delete. I do it again. Maybe correct a bit with melodyne. You know, if it's just like a bit flat, just turn it up a bit. Um, yeah. you know, I, I know, I know what the result should be and I try everything, whatever, whatever tool I have, I try to, to, to get there, um, to make it happen. Right. And when you're making music, cause I know from, from when we spoke during the, the online sessions, you, you don't really take a music theory approach to you. You don't go in with, or I'm going to make this chord progression or you know, use this scale. It feel it seems like you just kind of go by feeling and go going by like what sounds right at that moment. Do you never really go in with like a chord progression in mind? Because I know you said before that you did you did study music for for a long time, didn't you? But then after that, you were trying to like reverse that education in a way, and you know, kind of get out of that theory mindset and just go with with what feels right. Mm. Yes, 100%. So I when I studied music, I I think I learned every piece of music theory there is out there to like yeah. from very basic to very advanced stuff, like so advanced that nobody's ever going to use that stuff. But uh yeah. it it was kind of treated like math, you know. Uh you start very basic, but then you can go very very far with music theory. So I learned basically yeah. everything and when I got out of music school, it was just um it was just so confusing, man. I didn't know how to use all those tools. Uh, and it got to the point where I was like, you know, I'm just going to ignore all of that for a moment. Just like sit down and and try to find what I'm interested in. And the way I think about it is basically, you know, for example, for me, when I sit down at an instrument, like every instrument is different. So let's say I go to a... Um, friend's house they have a piano i'm like oh nice piano and they're like oh yeah. you want to play it i'm like yes i want to play it of course i want to play it i want to hear how it sounds so yeah. instead of being like oh let me play that f major seven then uh, e7 to a minor seven to then d7 uh chord progression and people are going to be like oh wow you play the piano really well i just sit down and just play one note because first of all i just want to hear how it sounds i'm like Right. Okay. And then I just look for notes that I like because every instrument is different. There's going to be instruments that are, uh, that sound better in, in certain keys, uh, yeah. sound better in different ranges. So I just 
go in there and just listen first. Like I kind of let the instrument talk to me. I'm just, I'm just making it talk, but then I, I want to listen what sounds best. And I might find a C sharp minor chord, which I never play on my piano because it's just a key that I don't use very often that on that piano sounds amazing for whatever reason. Yeah. So then I'm just going from there and just kind of building it up, you know? Um, and this is this is something I've been doing a lot lately, also on guitars, just looking for notes that sound good and then just build from there instead of right. coming with a pre-programmed idea and be like, let me play Bach on this piano. Uh, it might sound yeah. terrible because maybe maybe that piano is just very dark and very airy and some minor chord will sound way better than your your uh, Ariana Grande soul, uh, R&B chord progression. Might not right. even sound that good, you know? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I remember saying it to you when we were doing the sessions, but even just from taking a few piano lessons and getting to grade one, which is obviously very basic, um, mm -hmm. I still find myself at this... I like, I still find myself every day when I'm making beats, I'll be like, I don't know, I might put one chord in and then I might limit myself because I'll put another chord in and I'm like, oh wait, I, I need to add the fifth after this because mm -hmm. my music teacher said it usually sounds yeah. good, you know, or there'll mm -hmm. just be certain rules where, which you should be able to break, but it's still just embedded in my head. I'm like, oh, I shouldn't really do yeah. that, but I want to do it, you know? It's tough to I kind of reverse that. So I can't imagine how long it took you to reverse it after all those years of studying. Well, it almost took me like four or five years, like really long time to, Jeez. and, and, and um, I didn't try to forget all the stuff. I still know the stuff and I still can use it. You know, I'm, yeah. if, if I, if I'm stuck in a composition, I'm like, okay, how can I, how can I continue with this? Then yeah. I might start like, okay, this is fourth degree in this key. Well, I know that I can uh, substitute the fourth degree with like the sixth degree, for example. Let me try that, you know. I still yeah. use it from time to time. And that's how I think we should all think about music theory and scales and also processing theory. Like the way we know how to process something. Like it's, if yeah. it, to me, it's very weird that if I ask you, how would you process a vocal that you can give me an answer to this? There is a theory behind processing vocals. There is a, in, in the sample making genre, at least, uh, right. there's a theory behind like, how do you process the piano? How do you um, process the master of a sample? There's so much theory out there. And I feel like people use this as like cheat codes and cutting yeah. corners and be like, okay, let me just take this, throw it at that and just be like, yes, I made this, you know? Um, and, and that, that works. Yes, that works. Definitely works. But like, how long are you trying to be in this game? Like, are, are you just trying to do this like for three years, just do everything very fast and then be like, I did yeah. it all and didn't just be out. I don't think that like most people, um, would say yes to this. Most people would say, no, 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 I'm trying to do this like forever. You know, I love this. So right. give yourself time to discover things, you know? Um, let me, let me give you, give you the example with scales, for example, like if, when you pick up a new in instrument, for me, it was guitar uh, recently. So, um, practicing scales is very important because it helps build technique, you know, muscle, yeah. um, it helps train your ears. It <coughs> helps 
you uh, understand how an instrument is built because playing a C minor scale on a piano is very different visually from playing a C minor scale on a on a guitar. Transposing a C minor scale on a piano is very different than transposing it on a guitar. So you learn all these mm. things from uh, playing scales. Okay, now I look, I watch like, I don't know, something on Netflix, just practice the scale, just, you know, do my workout um, yeah. while watching other stuff. Then I sit down to make a sample, a melody. Do I pick up my guitar and be like, da, 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 da. Okay, I have a melody. No, I don't do that because that everybody's yeah. like, obviously that's, that's trash, you know, that's not a melody. Course, now with yeah. chords, somehow with chords, people are like, Oh, let me use this two five one that I learned, um, and just make a sample out of that. They're willing to take chord progression, like finish chord progression, and just copy paste them into into new projects. Somehow, yeah. with chords, people are less um, willing to search for something that is different from what they already know. And it can be it can be so much stuff. You could either change out a, a, a chord, you could play differently like you could change the harmonic rhythm you know play one chord for two bars then the second chord yeah. for half a bar and then you know that kind of stuff or right. you could actually play a certain rhythm with it or you can change the voicing your c minor um seven chord which you you've learned to be c e flat g b flat you always play it that way well on yeah. the piano there's like like five C's and five E flats and you can switch them around. You can play them close. Right. There's so many ways of doing it. Why are we just like doing like, boom, I have my C minor chord. So when I like the, the I recently, like yesterday, um, I, well, I don't know when you're going to post this, but yesterday from the day we record this, yeah. I uh, created this piano composition uh, and put out an Instagram video. I think you saw it before. I saw you like, like the video. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that first chord that I play is like a C minor chord. So very basic, played that chord like a million times. But what right. I found out is that when I, um, in the right hand, I play the melody and instead of releasing every note, you know, when I play the melody, you know, you play one note and then release, yeah. play the next note. I kind of found out and I was thinking for like 15 minutes. I was like, how am I going to do this? Should I press the first note, then the second, keep the first note down. But when I hit the third note, I'm going to release the first note inse instead of the second note. All right. that kind of stuff. I do this all the time. I kind of obsess about this kind of stuff, which yeah. makes me which makes me spend way too much time on a, on a piano composition like that. It took me, I don't know, like two and a half days to come up with like 45 seconds of very simple piano music that is not that different from a classical piece that you might have already heard, you know, but I make it a personal matter. I make it, yeah. I make it very personal. I'm like, I'm going to decide how I'm going to play this every note. So I think there's a, this kind of obsession to detail in harmony and, and uh, melodies which helps, I don't know, make my music, um, I don't know, very personal to me. No, definitely. I think that's an interesting way of approaching it, though, because, like you said, a lot of people will just put in the chord the standard way. And although it might take you a few hours or even days to figure out, like, one thing, it's like, how else would you figure it out? 
you know, because you're not like, just yeah. looking for a cheat code. Yeah. It's, it's your personal exactly. thing that you want to achieve. And then yeah. once you've done that the first time as well, then it might open your mind to something else and you might try something similar on a different instrument or you just never yes. know where it can take you. But if you didn't actually yeah. try that and spend that time on it, then you would have never known the outcome, right? And you would have just stuck to the same thing. And uh, yes, again, that's 100%. just a, another thing that's going to make your, your sound different to everyone else's. So yeah i mean it sounds like it's worth spending that time doing it even if it's just for that one short clip you know <laughs> yes i mean I'm, I'm glad i have this um platform when i where i can share those type of videos you know if there wasn't was yeah. no social media it would just be me um obsessing over something like that and not even be able to share <laughs> it so i'm very grateful yeah. there is an audience that likes to hear that stuff because then it feels less like just a learning process and right. something I do only for me, but also something that people enjoy, you know? Um, yeah. There's always both sides. I always think about, about both sides. It has to, I, I need to enjoy it. And this is probably the, mo the most important uh, part about it because it's, it's my life. It's my time. I want right. to enjoy this. And then I try to also have other people uh, enjoy it while I do it. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you enjoy it though, I think that energy kind of reflects on other people because I don't know, you can almost feel it cut you. It's just so like unique that people want to engage with it because they haven't really seen that type of thing before. But then sometimes mm -hmm. when you're trying to, if you're just trying to do something for the views or just because you think that people are going to watch this and you, you think, oh, I'm just doing this because I think people might like it. You'll get drained so quick. Like your energy yeah. will just dip because you're just not motivated to do it. You're not enjoying yeah. the process fully yourself. I've done that like sometimes before. It might be, it might be like a, a beat, for example. I might be like, for example, I have a, a tight beat channel. So all the time I'm making drill beats because I'm trying to target these keywords on that channel. Mm. But one day I might wake up and I'm like, I don't, I don't really feel like making a drill beat today. I want to make yeah. some boom bap or just something completely different. But then I'm, like, oh, but I need to upload to this channel. So then I'm kind of forcing yeah. a beat and it takes the enjoyment away from it. So it's a tough one to balance because yeah, you want to get the content out there, get the views up, you know, get people to tune into what you're doing. But at the same time, yeah. you want to actually enjoy that process fully. So it's definitely a tough one to balance. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, we're, we're running a business here, you know, it's, it, it yeah. you're going to, you're going to struggle when you run a business, uh, balancing, results with like enjoying yourself that's just going right. to be uh, and i i have this all the time you know i have uh i have a lot of stuff that i need to get done but i've kind of um let go of so many so many things um over the past years that it's had to let go of so many things that it's kind of easy for me now to say no to stuff and i was very bad at it i was very bad yeah. at like saying no to projects but now it's like, honestly, I just, when people come with like an opportunity and in like the first three seconds, I already know I'm not going to do it. I just not going to happen. Right. I, I let them finish and then say, no, you know, it's just like very respectfully <laughs> be like, I'm sorry, yeah. I can't do this. Uh, if you're looking for melodies for Lil Uzi, um, here's a contact of a friend who makes that go ask that person. He, that, right. that's your person, you know? Um, uh, nothing against i love i love that music but it's just not what i do and even if his like first engineer would hit me up and be like we need a pack from you 
but it can't be yeah. you. It needs to be Lil Uzi. Uh, right. If they want me, that's fine. I'll send a pack. But you know, if they want like Lil Uzi, um, then then it, they 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 kind of hit up the wrong person, and I need to let them know that they hit up the wrong person for that. Yeah, you know what though? I think people will respect you more for that. You might get some people that are a bit annoyed, like oh, I said no to us, but. When you become the guy that just says yes to everything and you do everything for everyone. For one, it's like yeah. just damaging your own mental health because you're not enjoying the process. And people don't really respect that. The fact that you're actually willing to say no to people, like it takes some guts to do that because it is a hard thing to say when people ask you a favor or, you know, they want to work with you. It's hard to turn certain people down because yeah. we're human, right? We don't want to let other people down or, or look like a dick or something. But mm -hmm. You, I guess you've got to look after yourself first. That's the main thing, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And also, I mean, how how are you gonna like? Let's say you say yes to everything, and then and yeah. then you say yes to someone, and then something new comes along, and you're gonna say yes to that thing. So you're gonna leave yeah. the person. You're basically gonna say no like two weeks later to the person you said yes before. So in the yeah. end, your your time is limited. So clean cuts are always better. So if you feel like it's not going to happen long term. You might as well just be like, no, from the start, you know, it's not even worth like putting it in that uh, it's kind of you're kind of working in a buffer zone before you can yeah. actually opt out and be like, oh, actually, uh, I don't want to do this again, even though you yeah. already knew from the start. So clean. Yeah, cuts. definitely. How do you how do you usually say no to people? Because I think a lot of people actually do struggle to to say no when people ask them something. Is it more of just if it's something's not your style, is it just like it's like you were saying before, like with the examples, like if someone was asking you to make a different like type of sample, is that the main thing that triggers it? Or I don't know, like what, what, how do you actually say no to people? It's a weird question, well, but yeah, there, there's two, there's two things that come up very often. One is kind of business opportunities, you know, people yeah. who want to either work with your brand. I'm sure you have this all the time. I know that like people who work yeah. YouTube get this like all the time. So Definitely. I have this like very rarely, but I do get it sometimes. Um, like business opportunities, people who want to work with your brand, have you work for their brand or whatever it is. For me, right. it's especially like sample libraries that yeah. need me as a sound designer for a pack that they want to make. So either right. they want to have they want to they want me to work on a pack where multiple people work on and they just want me to can you send us like piano loops and guitar loops that we can put in this pack and then it needs to be yeah. it's work for hire so you're not you're not going to make any royalties from it most of the time. They're just buying like the exclusive Right. So exactly. Yeah, in a way. Exactly. So that happens to me quite often. Or um, people who actually want me to make a pack for their library, like I do for Minta Foundry, and also yeah. like I do for Polyphonic Music Library. Right. I make my pack that is released on their library, and and both of those things um, I don't do right now because I just want to focus on my brand and I want to keep doing the Polyphonic Music Library packs because I just. Yeah, I'm constantly blown away by the quality that Mario puts out and the 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 way of like like I like he's the best curator I know in this sample pack game. He he knows so what to look Luciano. and listen for. Yes, exactly, Mario Luciano. Yeah. Yes. Um. So and he's been very influential to me and a lot of other people. So I just want to keep doing that. You know, that's a personal thing. Um, right. 
So I have to say no to most of the other opportunities because I just don't have enough time doing Minta Foundry, L-Hug, and Polyphonic Music Library here, here and yeah. there. So basically, I just say how it is, you know, I focus... I focus on this, this, and this, and I unfortunately don't have time to take on any more work. And I, and then sometimes I say it, when I uh, take on a project, it's very important to me that I have enough time to, you know, put in everything I got. And I don't feel like I can um, do a good job with the time I have right. uh, at disposal. And and very often people try to convince you by saying how much money you can make from it. And um, yeah. when somebody comes to me and starts and this is their first argument is like, you, first of all, you can make this amount of money. I'm like, probably not going to do it. This is just, this is not, this is for me, this is not a way to pitch projects. So if, if you ever want to pitch a project, make sure that it is interesting to me in terms of how yeah. I can spend my time. Like, how interesting is it going to be to work on that project? If it's right. going to be boring work, um, it, I mean, I'm, I'm every, everybody has a price. If it's, like, very, very, very well paid, I'm definitely willing to spend some time working on it, If even if I yeah. don't enjoy it. That's me running a business. Um, but um, not, not, not on promises. I'm not, I'm not going to make a pack on uh, somebody promising me thousands of dollars in two year because of royalties that that i'm right. not going to do that that's just too risky Close, yeah so that's that's on the business side then on the other side uh in terms of my l hog samples exclusive work sending out samples i get a lot of, like very often people um hit me up and be like yo can you send me samples so if they're Let's say like smaller producers with not necessarily uh, placement opportunities. I tell them yeah. that the people I work with expect me to send send them exclusive samples as exclusive as possible. So I can't unfortunately take on more people in that circle, but that I do have a public packs out there, Polyphonic Music Library, Minta Foundry. So just get right. those packs, send me back the beats, and if the beats are like top notch i love the beats then i'll send you yeah. samples i have people like that they have like 200 followers on instagram they have zero placements they have no uh common followers they're like i yeah. don't know where they came from uh i don't know how where they're gonna go but they make dope yeah. beats with my samples and i have like a a guy who like flipped like a 20 pack like he made a beat out of every sample and yeah. I'm I'm gonna send that person more 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 samples. Very very simple, you know. Of course, yeah. Well, that all makes yeah. sense. Whilst we're on the topic of you know the, like the business side of things, and creating sample packs, how do you decide what sample packs or what samples are going to be exclusive for some people that you're working with, and which ones are going to be for packs on your website? For me, it, it's two different ways of making samples actually like the public yeah. packs for me are almost like releases like i almost think of it like an album um with very with like short songs um yeah. they are all in a certain style so for example when if you listen to my polyphonic um samples they're all made within a two week span so i'm like now i'm gonna work on this project and i'm gonna make samples for the polyphonic pack so i go into yeah. that room if you if you will and be like 
I'm going to just spend time in here and, and just, and just figure out what that pack is going to be and just only work for that. So right. then it's very easy to be like, Oh, this is the polyphonic pack. Right. Um, yeah, because if you, if you work on everything at the same time and never know if, is this going to go in here? Is this going to go in here? Then your, your public pack isn't just never going to, you're never going to finish it because there's always a way to send samples to individual producers. Um, right. So the pack would just never be finished because I would always send the samples out because in the end, you always want something to happen uh, as fast as possible. So if I make a yeah. sample and then be like, now I have to wait for this pack to come out, let me just send it out. Then this pack is just never going to be finished. Yeah. hundred percent. That makes sense. And how, how did, um, Kenny beats come across your samples? Cause that video made me laugh <laughs> that you posted. Um, it was when he was streaming, wasn't it? I think he was, I don't know if he was using one of your samples or, you know, he clocked you in the chat. He was listening to one, wasn't he? And he was saying that he used the drip plugin yeah. on like a real nice piano. Yeah. Damn yeah. Tip. Cause I know, I know he uses Mario's loops as well. Doesn't he? So is that how that connection happened by working? Well, with actually, no, actually, no, actually, um, I tried to, um, get in contact with Kenny Beats uh, through multiple uh, ways and yeah. all of them failed. So I tried, well, I'm not going to, not going to be able to talk about all of the ways that I tried um, because course, I yeah. want to respect like uh, other producers and their decisions. But right. I definitely tried DMs that didn't work because he just, yeah. like, he gets too many DMs and he doesn't either not check them or I don't know, that didn't work. Um, I tried have people say like give him my sample, so I would give my samples to someone and be like, "Can you give them to Kenny?" That didn't work with multiple mm. people. So at 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 like one in one year ago, I kind of decided, okay, let's just not focus on that anymore. You know, just I also tried through his Discord. That didn't work. That I was probably I wasn't right. probably in there enough to kind of you know build build with the community. So I realized yeah. that would just be too much work and I don't have time to do that. Um, so I kind of forgot about it and was just like, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to do my own thing and just kind of trust that if my, if my stuff is good, he's just going to hear it someday. You know? And I think, so I don't know exactly, but I think he um, used one of my percussion breaks packs from minta foundry so somebody hit me up in dms and was like yo can you use your percussions on stream and he was literally i don't even know if he used them in the beat but he was just listening to yeah. the samples it's like you know like that and somebody heard oh this is l hog percussion so that person hit me up was like oh check it out so i saw this on on twitch so i then uh saw it on twitch uh like the on-demand video i cut out that piece and posted it on on twitter and I was like, um, you got to put your shit out there. You got to put your packs out yeah. there. You got to put your music out there. People are constantly looking for new stuff, constantly uh, scrolling through social media. They're going to find you if your stuff is good. Just trust trust me. Just put it out there. Um, and then he saw that and, and followed me. And then I got to like send him a um, a sample pack. I don't think he ever used anything from me or I don't know. Uh, he then started following me and he just happens to like those videos. Um, yeah. I don't know if he saw those videos before getting the packs. I don't know how he got the packs. 
could be through drum broker i mean drum we put our packs on drum broker and right. the drum broker email list i don't know how many emails there are in there but kenny beats is probably in there too so it might be that too you know yeah. you never know where the connection is going to happen but um i remember like two months ago i hit up my guy Faison, who does the website for Minta foundry and some of the branding stuff and just helps me with yeah. everything and i was like I want everywhere where Minta Foundry is to be a lot more clear what it is. I I want all the descriptions to be rewritten. I want all the like, you know, everything up to date because you never know yeah. when somebody's gonna be on your website or your YouTube or your Instagram or your Twitter or your whatever. Every everything needs to be up to date because you never know course, yeah. where a person is gonna come in and how much time they have. They might be there. They might be on Twitter. Click on something and be like. Oh, nice, you know, and then and then move yeah. on. So in that like five seconds that they're on your platform, they need to get what it is or they will just forget about it. And I don't Definitely. know in this specific case, but I'm I'm pretty sure that that also helped to kind of uh, so, yeah, get read, um, cause I've been trying to focus on my website recently as well. And um, someone said something to me that kind of stuck in my head it was like you know everyone spends so much time on the home page of a website mm. but not everyone finds you through the home page of your website right. they might find you on a product page or a blog page or whatever it is so you need to make 100%. sure that every page is like on point and consistent with your branding rather yes. than just make a nice fancy home page then on your product page you just put <laughs> tiny description by it now and that's it you know because you yeah, never know yeah. at what point people are going to come across it oh 100 percent, 100 percent. yeah what kind of stuff do you do for for marketing on on your website on Minter Foundry? Do you have any like marketing tactics? Do you use email marketing, SMS, or is it more like content based marketing? Um, we don't really do any of that. We have a newsletter which is just a new product alert when a new product yeah. drops. But sometimes we even skip that for a month and then just do two products in in one email um right uh we don't really have any any abandoned cart or any of that stuff um yeah we don't have ads it's really all about just like people it's quite organic who, yes very organic like people who comment on my posts people yeah. who um uh see the mint foundry stuff and I think our SEO is pretty strong, though. I know that Faison uh, puts a lot of time into that. So right. I think it's uh, it's pretty easy to find our stuff uh, through Google, actually. So that yeah. that is very important because I feel like people Google for, like, vocal chops, samples, and that kind of stuff. So that that, is, that is pretty important. But a lot of the other stuff we don't do yet. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I'd say, um, well, I'm... I'm getting more into the marketing side of things. I do use email marketing and it, it does help. Okay. I try to use it. I don't, I don't sell that much in my emails. I'll use it to just kind of give as much value as possible. Some people are a bit more on the aggressive side of selling with emails and it can work, but my main aim was to just help people as much as possible. So every time I put out a YouTube video, for example, it might just be something short. Like say if it's a mixing tutorial, I might just give them yeah. a couple tips in the in the email and then link them to the video. It's never anything that like too pushy unless I've got a launch and that definitely helps. Um, but mm -hmm. I'm going to get into SMS marketing because I know it's like, like the open rates, for example, are like 
95 to 100 percent wow. rather than like email marketing yeah. of like a good open rate is like 20 percent, 30 percent you know yeah, that's insane. so it can be a, a powerful tool but i find that the more time i'm spending up like the more time i'm spending on the marketing side even just like setting up like the email automations is like it takes up so much time to get those first ones set up um but yeah the more time i spend on the marketing just or doing anything else that isn't music, I just find that I don't actually have a lot of time to spend on music. You know, when you're editing mm -hmm. videos, doing marketing emails, answering DMs, it's like, I don't actually make a lot of music anymore. And that's the whole reason I got into this, which is kind of crazy. So Are, do I you do everything, well. everything on your own? Yeah, right now I do. I do everything, but I'm at the point now where I'm like, all right, okay, I need to, I need to mm. either bring someone on the team or just outsource for certain things like video yeah. editing, um, or just to handle like the marketing side of things. So I'm definitely looking at doing that. Yeah. Um, but did you find that yourself? Um, cause uh, was that one of the reasons that you didn't really tap into like email and SMS and everything? Was it just like, you know, everything, everything like this is just going to take away too much time from actually making music. Um, that, and also, um, I feel like the tool, the marketing tools you use are also going to shape your brand in a way. And right. our brand is just very, it has that very organic feel. So yeah. I want to keep that for as long as possible. We might yeah. have to do ads at some point. And if we do, I will, you know, but um, at this point we get the numbers that I like to see without yeah. doing that stuff. So I'm just like, let's, let's just keep going like this, you know? Um, yeah. I'm not, I, I don't, I don't ever see stuff as a money grab, you know, I never see something and be like oh shit we need to like triple everything because right. you can yeah, um yeah. just because you can triple it doesn't mean you should you know because you might triple and then fall down you know you never know what's gonna happen um, of course yeah it's not it's not a this this what i do is not it's not a money grab i no, I, I capitalize on 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 my brand i i, I want to sell packs this selling packs helps me build this studio create yeah. more sounds put out stuff that is interesting but apart from that it's just uh you know it's uh, i want it, i want it to be like an or, or organic a business with an organic feel as much as yes. possible it's not like you're a company that's just started and you don't know how to make music and you're just trying to push packs yeah. and you're having sales every week you know it's like you actually you actually like you know that's your passion music is your passion you're incredible at what you do you you know you're willing to like oh you've worked with a lot of people like it's just completely different to someone that's just starting up a business and just trying to push packs out there. So I kind of, I can, I could definitely understand why you haven't taken it that way, because like you said, it gives you that more authentic look. It's just, it's just a different way to brand yourself, isn't it? Your website's not plastic with sales banners everywhere. And it's like, that can kind of cheapen your brand in a way, or it just gives you like a different image to what you're going for. So yeah, mm -hmm. I, I definitely hear that. And, um, the other thing I wanted to ask you is because I know you've worked with Ill Mind a few times, haven't you? You've had a, a couple of placements uh, yes. together. Yes. I was just watching a video earlier today, which I didn't see before. It was um, it was a stream of his where he was cooking up with some of your samples. So, how did that connection happen? Was that similar to the Kenny Beats where you're trying to reach out to him and then it ended up happening naturally, or was it a bit different this time? Well, Illmind was the first, actually the first producer to give me a shot, like the first big producer to give me a shot yeah. in this, in this, uh, sample game. Um, it was after I took Mario's class 
um, that Mario told me like Illmind would really love your stuff. Um, right. You should try to DM him. And this was still back when only two and a half years back, but it was different. Like DMs actually worked back then like a lot yeah. better than they do today. Um, there was no producer community was not yet on Twitch, not yet on Discord. It was all Instagram and YouTube. Right. Um, so I just DM'd him and was like, I took Mario's class. Like Mario told me to say this. He was like, yeah. tell him you took my class. Tell him I told you to contact him. So that was right. my opening line. And then I was just like, um, I got samples for you. Mario really liked them. He said, um, I should I should contact you. Um, I'd love to like work with you. And then he he sent me his email and he I I, I kind of think he fell in love with the style of my samples because for yeah. a while he was just like on every live stream he would just be like L hog L hog L hog. So yeah. um, that really pushed me. That was the first moment I realized. Well, actually, I think this could like really go somewhere. Like, if I right. can get Illmind's attention, that means I could get somebody else's attention too. Like, somebody yeah. with, um, somebody who shapes the music industry actually cares about my stuff. When you realize that for the first time, you realize yeah. also this could it could potentially be scalable. You know. Um, and then he just kept rocking with my samples. I kept sending like every two, three weeks, sending packs. And we didn't have a placement for two years or something. It took over two years for our wow. first placement to drop, which was a... Um, well, it took two years from me sending that sample to the release, but it actually took two and two and a half years of me yeah. working with him to to get a placement together. And actually, the first place we got together was the Ross song, Private. And oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that song should have was come out. Was that your first like, like, big placement as well? Because that's a huge one. Um, well, I can't remember, actually. Yeah. Now, I ha now I'm confused. You know, with COVID, I don't get, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know yeah. year numbers anymore. But uh, <laughs> I, don't, I, I can't remember. But what I do remember is that Ross had the this weekly drops. He was dropping right. song a song every week in yeah. October of uh, like in autumn of 2018. And then Illmind hit me up and was like, "We, we got a placement with Ross. It's gonna come out very soon." I was like, "Oh shit, dope!" Right? Damn. I was in I was yeah. in making samples for not even a year, and already I get a placement. Wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. So I thought that would drop, and it didn't drop, and. It dropped one and a half years later, actually, out of nowhere. And then uh, on a Ross stream, I kind I uh, found out why why that was because he had that song uh, "Best on Earth," which uh, went kind of viral because Rihanna made a video, like an Instagram video, um, yeah, her walking down the beach, and then this was like a trend. So that song trended, and he didn't want to like interrupt that trend by dropping more songs. So he just wanted right. that song oh, yeah. to breathe and our song was next in line. So he didn't dr drop that song and then he dropped an album, song wasn't on there and just took like forever, forever. And then like one and a half years later, almost two years later, uh, he drops that song out of nowhere. I've never would have thought that that song would ever come out. So I thought I would have my first big placement um, 
nine months into sample making and then it took two and a half years so that was a good lesson that was a very good lesson yeah that kind of i guess it's hard showed not to me get okay excited isn't yeah it? don't 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 get overexcited don't get too high yeah. it's uh it's gonna be very frustrating yeah i guess until the song's actually out on streaming platforms and everything it's not really out but at the same time it's still something to be proud of even if even if a producer gets a big like placement that never gets released it's still something to be proud of because you've still got your music into the hands of this person and that person has fucked with it enough to actually record something to it you know so yes. it's not like it's just a complete loss you know it's still there's still some benefits yeah uh, the the thing that annoys me most about like songs not coming out me also means that you're probably never going to hear the song because if it yeah. doesn't leak because we as producer very rarely get songs back unfortunately right so yeah. um yeah there's i just got noticed like this week of a song like last week of a song that should have been on an album that i was waiting forever and it got cut from the album so you know it's not a problem yeah. it's not gonna I, I don't even feel that frustrated about it i'm just yeah that's, that's just how it is but I would really love to hear that song. So I I still hope it comes out sometime. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess after that first one that happened that took so long to come out, I bet after that you were just like, you know, if opportunities come like this, you know, you can be excited in the moment, but don't focus just purely on that song because you can get obsessed yeah. with it and think that it's going to change everything or it's going to be huge. And I don't know, you can put a lot of energy into something that might not officially come out. So I, I guess at this point, it's like, you know, once you get that news, it's like, okay, a little bit of a celebration in your head, but then hmm. just stay focused on what you're doing. If it comes out, amazing. If not, you know, there's going to be more opportunities. I yeah. guess that's the mindset. It, yes, 100%. What, what, is, what is a bit like sad sometimes is, you know, when songs drop, then they have a very short, like the attention span is very short. So a song right. drops... It's hot for a week, maybe two, and then, you know, everybody moves on. So yeah. we, we, we don't even get, unless it gets, it becomes like this huge hit. Um, so right. when a song drops, we only get this very short time span of like really enjoying it. We're like, damn, yeah. I really produced that record. So that's very short. Then also we can't get too excited before. So it feels like we can never really actually like, for real, like celebrate a drop. So I right. feel like being excited before a song drops is very cool yeah. because it can also, you know, that that's, you know, it's going to drop. Nobody else does. So you can also enjoy that moment. But then also you just need to uh, be prepared for it to never drop. That's always right. going to be a possibility. You could, you, I, I mean, I've signed paperwork for songs that will never come up. Yeah. Because they yeah, just 100%. got caught like last minute. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, I guess it, it can be discouraging, but yeah. it's just part of the game, I guess. It is. <laughs> it's it a is. tough one. Just part of it. Yeah. For for producers or let's say for like people that are focusing on, make, on making loops and samples and their main goal is to, you know, just get these samples worked on by other producers and land placements, what are some of the best practices you'd recommend to actually get samples in the hands of other producers? Because, you know, there's people that will build up an email list and, and send out the same loops to every producer. There'll be people that just make exclusive loops for other producers. Do you think there's any like right or wrong way? Or do you think it's just whatever works best for you? Well, it depends 
what brand you want to have. If you yeah. send samples to everybody, just expect people to think that your samples are sound like everybody's samples. You know, it right. it just be like the way you move is going to impact how people think about you. So yeah. I think there's better ways, but if 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 you find that tactic to be successful for you, do it, you know. But yeah. um, I'm yet still to hear the big success story from sending uh, BCC samples to 10,000 right. of people in 2022. That might have worked uh, once, but I don't think it does anymore. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what, what, sh what should you do? Um, be in discords. That's where um, a lot of attention is right now. Right. Be in Twitch streams. Um, you can send stuff to T minus Illmind, um, Elite. There's other producers who are on Twitch. Yeah. Um, then also put your social media content out there. Put like show what you do. How how are people gonna know that you're dope if they can't see it? It's just you don't expect people to read minds. That's just it. It, it doesn't work. And Definitely. Everybody's on social media. Even the people you think aren't, they are, they probably are. Yeah. The reason why they don't like, why they don't like stuff or why they don't share stuff is because they are being very private about their public life in a way. They don't even want to pe want people to see what they like. Coming back to the Kenny Beats example, he has yeah. never liked a video of me. I've never seen Kenny Beats liked your videos, neither on Twitter nor on Twitch. It never happened. Uh, sorry, neither well, not on Twitch, not, not like on Twitter. Because he mentions them. On, on Instagram. <laughs> but I know yeah. he likes, like, obviously, like, he knew them, you know? So you never right. know who sees what and if they're going to like it. So just keep doing your stuff, put it out there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. There, there's other examples. I have other producers who told me they sent my videos to the artists that they're working with being like, mm. yo, check out this guy who makes the, like, remember the beat I sent you with that sample you liked. That's actually that person. Look the videos he makes. So, you know, just yeah. put your content out there. These are like every, every piece of uh, social media content is, can be um, the, the link between you and, and another person. Of course. Yeah. I mean, content marketing is just huge. I mean, just documenting your process in general, yeah. it could be whatever your process is, even if you can't play instruments, if it's just, yeah, you know, definitely. making loops on FL Studio, like whatever it 100%. is, there's going to be people out there that find it interesting Yeah, because everyone's got their own unique touch when it comes to making beats. You know, everyone's got like their own little thing that they do and everyone's got their own personality as well. So people might be scared to like get on camera or like say anything because they're scared that people might not like them or they're not accepted by everyone. Yeah. But the aim isn't for everyone to accept you and like you. You just, that's just never going to happen because you can't yeah, please everyone. No. Right. But you will find people out there that relate to you and your personality and the things that you're interested in. And I feel like that's, that's a better way to approach it instead of trying to impress everyone. If you be yourself and, show your natural process don't try and force anything all right some people might not like you who cares they're not gonna be the people that work with you anyway but then you'll yeah. find like a group of people that 
really like you for who you are and they, they fuck with your style and they want to work with you and you just never know, do you? You just like have to get your content out there and then, you know, you just never know who's going to come across it. Like you said, who's even going to like see it without liking it or pass it to someone who's going to do something with it or anything can happen. It's crazy. Yeah. hundred percent. One hundred percent. Well, man, I really appreciate your time today. Um, just let everyone know where they can find you. And if there's anything that you're working on right now, if you have a discord or, you know, anything that you want to share with people before we leave? Well, I have, well, I have mintafoundry.com is where you get all my packs, the Mellotron expansion packs, the one shots, percussion breaks and everything you need. If, if you, if you like want sounds that are made from all these instruments, then that's where you want to go. If you want to just yeah. like, uh, listen to my music, then Instagram is probably best. Um, I'll hog on Instagram. I put out like at least one video a week of me, like using these instruments to make samples. And right. I have a discord too. And, um, yeah, I think, I think that's it. Perfect. All right, man. Well, once again, I appreciate your time, man. Yeah. We'll definitely keep in touch. Well, thank you for having me. This was, this was amazing. It's, it's always no good talking to you. <laughs>